Welcome back to the What's Next podcast. And we're back to a Zoom podcast today as uh, new restrictions have been put in place in Halifax. Uh, Pastor Daniel is on the call with me and he's actually in self-isolation because they went shopping and how dare you go shopping. And now, you know, somebody was there and uh, who had COVID apparently. On Tuesday, we went to the Halifax Shopping Center uh, Natalie had ordered a new computer, so we went to pick it up, and little did we know that that was going to be one of the exposure sites, and so I kind of feel a little bit silly self-isolating because myself, Mike, and then another guy went and got tested on Thursday, and then they came out with the exposure site on Saturday, um, so I just decided to go get tested again because Natalie was going to get tested, and um, they said, you're supposed to self-isolate, so I don't know if technically I need to self-isolate, but I just figured it's better to play it safe with the current climate that we're in. So (laughs) we're both at home today and um, yeah, it's definitely a a different feeling than it was a week ago at this time. Yeah, it's been amazing. Two weeks ago, we thought that there was going to be an opening of the Atlantic bubble. People could go to New Brunswick. People from New Brunswick could come here. And just like that, we're actually back in our homes uh, shopping's been limited. Uh, some schools are closed. Who knows if the rest are going to close. It's been a very interesting, uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. And then, so on Thursday afternoon at three 30, um, they announced that there was going to be no in-person church services for this week. So yes, we had to kind of scramble throughout the weekend and, um, try to make sure that we had something to put up for Sunday service, which, I know that you did a lot of editing for that. So uh, that was, we kind of expected it, but you, you know, you don't, you can't really plan for it until it actually gets announced. Yeah. It was mission Sunday, not that mission Sunday, we want to get less emphasis to, but it was the positive thing about mission Sunday is that we had collected all of these videos from our partners that we've been doing work with over the last year. Um, So it really made the process a little bit easier to handle than on a typical Sunday where we would have nothing yet recorded or ready to go. We'd be doing everything from scratch. Uh, we actually had most of the components other than the message and the music ready to go, just needed to be compiled in a final edit. So, um, yeah. So that was really, I guess, providential, you might want to say. Yeah, absolutely. And then earlier in the week, uh, we had just got a new background in for the studio downstairs that we'd kind of created. Can you believe it was already in November that we (laughs) initially created that to get ready for Christmas? Um, But we got a new background that we got just in time to be able to use. So um, even though we didn't want to go into lockdown, it was nice being somewhat familiar with the process. And we were like, okay, we know what we need to do. Now let's just go do it instead of trying to figure out all these new systems and ways of doing things. So that was really nice. Yeah. And so for the service this week, um, it's actually interesting because of the lockdown, I had prepared a message. I was going to be preaching on the sowing of seeds. It actually tied in very well with a video that I showed in the Bosnia meeting last night. Um, But with the lockdown, I, I felt like I was supposed to go a different direction um, so that's what we did. Um, when totally oh, okay, see, direction. I didn't know this. Oh, you didn't know this. Okay. No. no. Uh, while you were setting up downstairs for me to preach, I rewrote from a totally different passage of scripture. Oh, I rewrote it Friday morning, right before I went and preached it. Um, 
because I, I felt there was this um, this need in our lives, uh, looking at uh, the the work and the words that John gave us in the book of Luke and how it tied into the passage in Isaiah 40 and this mm. call for us to not just do, but that there's a level of comfort in knowing that our God is present. And I feel like in this pandemic, we keep talking about we've got to do, we have this opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ, which is absolutely true, absolutely essential and important to who we are as a people and as a church. Uh, but we can't forget the need for comfort and care in this time that often leads to great frustration uh, as people skirt the rules or cause uh, lockdowns. And we you know we're, we find ourselves feeling very agitated and frustrated and in need of comfort. So, yeah, no, that's really cool that you felt that change. And it was definitely, I think, a very appropriate passage. And you kind of started out the message talking from Luke chapter three. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about the ministry of John the Baptist and how he was preaching this baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. And then it says uh, in Luke chapter three, verse four, as is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. And then it goes into Isaiah chapter 40, which you had touched on more fully, but it's, I'll just read it so that people get the idea of what we're talking about. Uh, but it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his make his path straight for every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crook crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And you started off with a, a really interesting observation, which you talked about how oftentimes we read this and we think like, oh, like John the Baptist is the one who prepared the way of the Lord. Like, that's what this passage is referring to. Yeah, even my Bible, that's uh, the Bible I have. That's the title of the section. John the Baptist prepares the way, right? Yeah. It's the emphasis on, on him as the one preparing the way. Yeah. And I think in a way, it's true that John was mm -hmm. preparing the Absolutely. way. But the way that he went about doing that was again, just what it says before, by preaching this baptism of repentance. And so you talked about how really the call for all, each and every one of us is to prepare the way for the Lord. Like this isn't something that John did over here. And now we're like thankful for what he did. And we have no part to play in that. Like we each have a role in preparing the way for the Lord. So maybe just elaborate on that a bit, because I thought that was a really good point. Yeah. So the idea here, if you read the text, and you allow it to, you know, you follow the grammatical syntax, if you will. Isaiah spoke of John, that John would be the one to say, prepare the way of the Lord. So it's not saying Isaiah spoke of John for John to prepare the way. Isaiah spoke of John saying John was going to declare, prepare the way. Well, if John is the one actually doing the proclaiming, prepare the way, then it's not simply John who's doing the preparing. He's actually encouraging and saying to the people, like you are the ones who are supposed to be preparing the way. I'm telling you what the way is supposed to be. Like you said, it's about repentance. It's about baptism, but it's really, it comes down to the personhood of Jesus Christ. Prepare the way for the Lord is coming. And later on in, Gen in Luke chapter three, you see that Jesus came to be baptized and John declares, this is the lamb of God who has come to take the sins of the world that's all part of the preparing the way. And so that's why we get into this idea of John is preparing the way, mm -hmm. but it, we quickly minimize that John was actually calling out to the people. It was the voice in the wilderness. John was the voice 
calling out to others, prepare the way of the Lord. And so that call still is supposed to resound in our own lives that we are to prepare the way of the Lord for people to see, to seek repentance, to uh, Mm -hmm. seek baptism and to recognize that, to help others recognize that Jesus is the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Yeah, that's so great. And this is like such a important passage. Just if you continue to read in Luke chapter three um, and what the actual message that John was preaching, I think it helps uh, illuminate for us today what our part is in preparing the way for the Lord, because we could say, okay, well, like John was preaching to those people on that day, uh, prepare the way for the Lord. And then we know that Jesus came and we can get into what that means. Uh, But for us, like that's in the past. John was preaching to people that was in the future. So like, this isn't really relevant for us today. Um, so maybe I'll just ask you what your thoughts are on that before I share mine. <laughs> uh, I, John might've been speaking to the people in the past, but Luke was writing for the, for the present and future church. Mm, yeah. And, and so for, for us to say, well, it doesn't apply because John was speaking to the people then. I don't think Luke was simply being historical I think yeah. Luke was trying to express to the church, there was an expectation that Christ had come. Christ it has come now, but there's still an expectation on us as a church to prepare the way of the Lord, to still be active in, in making the road straight and leveling the mountains and raising up the valleys and in being a part of that declaration. Yeah, for sure. That's really good. And I think too, like you think about what John was calling people to do. And he was calling them to a baptism or repentance. And we see Mm -hmm. this idea of repentance. And I mean, that's still what we would say is like the beginning point really of someone's like relationship with Jesus, how we would talk about it. But um, I love verse eight. So he's, I'll just read verse seven and eight, because I think it's really helpful. Uh, He's, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the, from the wrath to come bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And so I think that's really helpful because it um, it helps frame the whole mission of Jesus and the whole New Testament and where we fit into that. And so if you think about this idea, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, it's this idea that John was calling people to turn from what they were doing, this idea of repenting. And part of that was true repentance really means you have to make a turn. You can't just say that you want to. Mm -hmm. And then he gets in this idea of starts talking about, and don't say that we have Abraham as our our father. And we think about that from a Christian context. And we're like, well, why would he all of a sudden go into that conversation? But the reason was, is that what John was saying and what Isaiah was talking about was that these people needed to become the true people of God, the true people who were set apart, the true Mm -hmm. sons of Abraham, the true Israelites. And that's really uh, ultimately what Jesus fulfilled in himself. And so I think where we fit into this picture is like the same call is on us as it was on them. Like the call is to be like the true person Mm -hmm. who has, uh, is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. It's that we've seeing the error in our ways and we're turning back to God um, and waiting for him to come in and like renew our lives. Yeah. And that's what ties in so beautifully to the first part of Isaiah chapter 40, where it talks about comfort, comfort, my people says your God mm. tenderly to Jerusalem, 
Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all of her sins. And so um, Isaiah here, like this is um, pre-exile, uh, but this text now is coming into this uh, expectation that, you know, they've been starting to be part of the exile and then they're going to be brought out of the exile. And he's, and Isaiah is trying to express to people like you've experienced now the, the work in, in Egypt and the Exodus. And mm-hmm. now you're like, you've entered into this Babylonian captivity, but there's going to be a time frame to this. Uh, it's going to get a little worse and then it's going to get better. Um, and so that should bring comfort because God is going to come and do something new uh, because you've repented, because you've turned of your sins. That, and that new thing is actually the Lord himself will be mm. Yeah, that's really good. And um, I mean, obviously, when this gets applied to Jesus and John the Baptist, it's a pretty strong affirmation that like Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be one of, I think, the strongest correlations and arguments in the New Testament. It's this idea that like, here Isaiah is saying, prepare the way for the Lord. And then John the Baptist is identified as that voice who's proclaiming this message. And who do we see as the fulfillment of it? It's it's Jesus, right? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so th- there's that call in our lives then again, to be clearing the way for the Lord. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the important part of this text is so often in our lives, when we look at clearing the way of the Lord, it's, it's the expectation on ourselves. Like I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And the, it becomes a really heavy burden sometimes. Like, you know, we're called to evangelize to share the good news of jesus christ but that's not supposed to be a heavy burden uh yes it can break our hearts like we talked about that two weeks ago like the idea of heartbreak and compassion yeah but it it's not supposed to be this heavy burden that is all on us right the the whole end of isaiah chapter 40 is about how as young men uh young women uh, the youth, even they face exhaustion, even they face powerlessness and weakness, but it's through those things that it's through that weakness, through that powerlessness, that the all powerful creating God works through and brings comfort to the people. And he himself begins to make way for mm-hmm. his glory to be made known for people to know about Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I think that was why it was so appropriate for this Sunday, because it was a tough Sunday and we were going through Mm -hmm. some hard stuff. And this passage, like comfort, comfort, my people speak tenderly. Uh, And there's this idea that like, this is actually good news that they're Mm -hmm. proclaiming. Um, And I think a lot of the times in our culture, especially, it can feel like when we talk about the gospel that we actually have, like we are fearful because like, oh, this is really bad news. like it, it can come off as very negative and there's, you know, been kind of a history of almost presenting the good news as like bad news. Yeah. And there, uh, and I think, you know, there are reasons for that. One of them being just that our culture has kind of lost this idea that we are broken and that we, we need help. It's more of like, you know, you gotta look within yourself to find your true self and your power and things like that. But ultimately it's, a good reminder for us that this is a, is a positive message. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. it's something that's meant to comfort people and give them hope. 
and actually give them strength to go through hard things. Yeah. And that's why I brought up like Jesus, his own words around the gospel message is come to me, all you who are weary, and I'm going to give you rest or, uh, you know, take up my, take up my yoke for my burden is light, right? Like it's, it's this idea that when we are working within the confines of, of the redemption and the restoration and the repentance. And again, you're totally right. Our culture is very much around uh, finding your own self. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people refer to like finding the God within, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not talking about the spirit of God working within their lives. They're talking about their own spirit being exalted and manifest as God themselves, right? Making ourselves God. Uh, and when we do that, then the burden becomes very heavy because we are responsible then as the God of our lives to make our lives work out. Um, and we don't need repentance, right? My truth yeah. is my truth. My, uh, my opinions are, are valid and truth, whether they're actually true or not. But then it also, we're responsible for the consequences of those truths in our lives. When yeah. we come to the Lord and we let his spirit be the truth. Um, it removes this great pressure, this great burden, because we are able to then admit our frailties, admit our brokenness, admit that we are, admit that we are not God of our lives, and allow the Spirit to begin to work and transform our spirit to be more like His. And that's when our spirit becomes more like God, not mm-hmm. when we are more like ourselves, but when we're more like Him. Yeah, and I think that again ties into this idea of repentance and like true repentance starts in your mind and how you think about the world and even how you think about yourself because in order to truly repent like you need to come to a point where you realize that like what I'm doing is not good what I'm doing is not leading to the life that I want like it's not this isn't how it was meant to be and then the natural follow-up question is okay like what is going to work what is going to be the way back and that's what this passage is talking about that like you have to prepare the way for the Lord to come in and he's the one who's going to restore and renew um, things. It's not going to be our efforts. It's our job is to prepare the way for God to come in and do the the true transformative work. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a good place for us just to segue into maybe just highlighting a little bit about missions. It was Mich- mission mm-hmm. Sunday. So we get yeah. to highlight some different ways that Hillside um, at collectively as a church and then, um, also, you know, more individually, like our kind of what you're talking about, like sowing those seeds or preparing the way for the Lord to come in. And so we get to hear from some different partners. So, um, yeah, maybe just speak to some of those and give people an update. Yeah. So we, we did share from a number of partners in, uh, the service we shared from Caton's Island, which is the Westland camp, uh, for kids and youth and family. Mm-hmm. Also where Project. I met Natalie. Also, where, where Daniel met Natalie, so yeah. I know that's a close place to them. Yeah. Um, actually, it's amazing how many people have met their spouses. I think at Caton's Island, it's almost—I yeah. like, don't want to use the word bad, but almost as <laughs> fruitful as Kingswood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, so we talked about Caton's Island. Uh, another camp we have was Mount Traber, that was mm-hmm. uh, in the area. Uh, we didn't mention it yesterday, but we've also sent money to support uh, Malagash Camp, which is another youth camp that a couple of our youth are a part of. <coughs> Excuse me. 
so that's some of like the local camps that we've supported uh, that have mm-hmm. been great work in uh, sharing the gospel message and the message of Jesus Christ and bringing comfort to the youth. Um, some other stuff that we didn't mention that was local is we've given um, away, we've blessed people with about uh, $1,200 this last year uh, through benevolence. And mm. it, it's been very heartbreaking because a lot of that benevolence went to youth. Um, a lot of that benevolence went to youth who were escaping their family situations because in the COVID environment, they were now forced to be at home uh, with families, with parents who uh, were less than loving, whose uh, their own frustrations had boiled over and these kids were needing uh, to escape. Some of them were in the process of emancipation, uh, social workers helping them get set up in safe living environments, uh, transportation. So we gave away bus passes, food cards, uh, helping uh, people set up their homes. I mean, it's heartbreaking when you have, you're, you're helping a 16 year old by getting them a, a gift card so that they can go buy housing goods because they're going to mm-hmm. live on their own. Um, like it's just heartbreaking to hear those things. Uh, a couple of families who um, escaped domestic violence uh, in the area, and so helped yeah. get into housing. So that's some of the like the local stuff that we did that I didn't share yesterday. I felt like our burdens were heavy enough. Um, yeah. As as celebratory it is that we were able to help, it's also very heartbreaking to hear. Um, mm-hmm. So that's some of like the local stuff that's been going on. Uh, the hockey clinic is still going forward. Uh, we have 35 kids signed up already. Uh, there's some really exciting guests that I think are going to come on who are uh, some current and some former NHLers that we have awesome. had that are going to join us this year. Um, some virtually, some in person. Uh, we've got, um, we shared about the Gideons. The Gideons have been a great partner. We shared kind of yesterday their uh, international impact. Uh, and that was really cool to share because a lot of the money that we give, that's where it goes towards. Uh, but we've had a great partnership with the Gideons um, and we get free Gideon Bibles or free Gideon New Testaments. Well, I shouldn't say we, we're free. They're free. We pay for a partnership. Yeah. Through that partnership, we get these uh, Gideon Bibles and Gideon New Testaments. Um, and this last year through a couple of different initiatives, um, I'm actually down to 20. Uh, we started mm-hmm. with over 500 and I'm down to 20. I need to actually order more stock um, because wow. we've been having opportunities through different partnerships to uh, distribute these uh, Gideon New Testaments and these Gideon Bibles. Um, so that's some of the things that have been going on. Um, who are the other ones that we shared yesterday? Uh, uh, do we? Really I know that we talked about it in our meeting after, but did we share about the compassion? Yeah, compassion. Kids in Haiti? There was a, a great video from the director of compassion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there really, was a video. I really appreciated that. Uh, we used some of our, our connections to get that video um, because a lot of times uh, there's something that's much more local in the sense of like it came from the Canadian. Uh, um, leaders but they, to actually get this from compassion this video of what's going on in haiti from the haitian director it wasn't just for hillside but it was something that they had put together uh which was awesome because we have 10 kids there that we support and uh hillside really stepped up this year 
in still making sure that the money for mugs for missions had come in uh, and that those 10 kids were looked after. Uh, that yeah, because normally we would like collect change in the physical service. So we were kind of like, what's going to happen with that? But yeah, if you're still... new to Hillside and haven't seen it, we had taken a white trash can from Dollarama, you know, one of those little ones that you put in like a, a little room or in a college room. And we attached a wooden handle to it and made it into a giant coffee mug and did mugs for missions and collected up money that way. Uh, and a lot of people thought, well, with us not being able to put change in that mug, what's going to happen? And yes, people came out and put stuff in it while it was online, but a lot of people, uh, on site, but a lot of people stepped up online and added it to their pre-authorized giving or gave special donations. Uh, so it was just amazing to see, um, how God provided, uh, that way through Hillsiders and making sure those 10 kids were still looked after. Yeah. And I mean, there's more stuff that we could talk about, but Mm -hmm. it's just, I think, good to have a mission Sunday and for us to be able to talk about it because so many times people don't get to see all the stuff that Hillside as a collective gets to like the ways they get to bless people. And when we talk about our values and our strategy, like we talk about inviting, growing, training and sending. And really, it's a great example of that sending mentality that um, we're willing to give so much away to these different organizations, uh, because it would be easy for us just keep that and say, you know what, we want to build Hillside's brand, but this is just another way where it's like, it's not about Hillside. It's about Jesus. And we want to support, you know, things that he's doing, no matter what title or brand it falls under. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I always really enjoy this service because it's just so pure in that regard. Yeah. And so to that effect, this was the best year Hillside ever had for missions giving. Wow. Which is amazing. Uh, Over $28,000 was given towards missions. Um, Our highest ever, as far as I'm aware of, as far Mm -hmm. as MLT is aware of. But it was also testament to the direction that we felt God was leading us uh, in the sense of uh, we feel like God is saying, okay, it's time for us to transition out of our ministry in Haiti. Uh, and as I mentioned last night, if you weren't able to attend the Bosnia meeting, um, I'm going to give you, you can follow up with us and we'll get you those details. Yeah. Uh, but we feel this transition there is some from, sensitive yeah, information. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this transition we're sensing to move from Haiti to Bosnia. Uh, but that's not just a clean cut. Like we're done with Haiti. Everything just falls by the wayside. Um, we're still going to look after our compassion kids as they continue to grow. Uh, but our ministries in Haiti, like, we still continued to fund them this year and we started to find what's going on in Bosnia. Mm. So there's this added expense because we weren't just going to drop Haiti and say, no, we're, we're done with this. The whole reason we're starting to leave Haiti is because the partnerships that we had developed have started to become self-sufficient or be taken on by other organizations and the roles that they need do not fit who we are as a church. Um, what, what we are able to offer um, We've given them the best of what we have. They've taken it and they've now turned it into something that they can sustain, that they yeah. can use. And so they don't need us. And that was always the goal. We were never supposed to be there for forever. The whole purpose was always to empower the Haitians to take the gospel message to their own people. And that's what we're witnessing. Yeah, that's amazing. Been, yeah, it's been incredible to see how Babaco has been doing uh, how Laganov, where they're heading. And so there's this opportunity for transition. And mm-hmm. so as the missions leadership team looked at that and the local board of administration looked at that, uh, I myself and responsible for missions, 
And we just started looking at where are opportunities for God to use our giftings, our passions, our calling as people looking to connect people with Jesus. And uh, the, this opportunity in Bosnia came up, uh, which really aligns with who we are, where we're trying to go uh, and use the skills and passions that we have as a church um, to connect people with Jesus locally through the work that we do here, but also internationally with our connection with them. And so that's just been really, really exciting. Yeah, that's really awesome. And um, just to go back to us kind of leaving Haiti formally, not Mm -hmm. that we're like abandoning them, but, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the knocks that a lot of church mission work has had is that it's the kind of, hey, we're going to come in and fix all your problems, and then you're going to be reliant on us. And Mm -hmm. um, so, like, it's sad that we're leaving because we've made connections there and invested our hearts there and things. But at the same time, it is like, it's almost like a graduation. It's like, Hey, like this, this thing that was a baby when we started is now ready to go out on its own and start to be self-sufficient. And like, who knows what's going to come of that in the future. Um, but I think it's really cool. And we need to celebrate the fact that, you know, we're not just looking for them to be reliant on us. Like they're now self-sufficient, which is super awesome. Yeah. And that's part of the sad part of COVID is last summer, we were actually going to go there and have a celebration service Mm. and kind of be like, like a blessing on them. Like we are so thrilled with the work that God has done in your life. Uh, We are so thankful for the relationships that we've built. uh, And now we are blessing you to continue the ministry. Um, You no longer need us for us to stay here. We become a crutch rather than a support. Um, and so we want to release you and bless you and encourage you to go with COVID. We weren't able to do that. We weren't able to go. So, um, it's been a little bit more challenging that way. Uh, but we still felt that need to release and, and bless and be like, okay, like it's time to, to push you out of the nest. If you will, it's time to say, okay, Mm -hmm. like you, you know what you need to do. You can do this. You don't need us anymore, uh, to hold your hand through this. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So if people want more information on uh, Bosnia, they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I have no clue how long we've gone, but we should probably wrap up. <laughs> I have not yeah. been watching the clock at all. Yeah, me um, either. So that's all. But right. yeah, it's been fun chatting with you. And yeah. Um, yeah, I loved your message and the call for us to prepare the way for the Lord. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks everyone for joining us. And hopefully you'll be able to be with us next week on What's Next. Halifax, we know you got nowhere to go, so you might as well listen. All right. Have a good one.